Hello again, and welcome to Refresher, the pop culture therapy podcast. I am Chris Levine, and I will once again be your host this time around. Hey, this is our 20th episode already. In case you were wondering, Fine China is the traditional 20th anniversary gift. So if you want to send me, say, a China tea set for this episode, that would be great. Or if you want to go bigger, and you just want to buy me the entire People's Republic of China, the actual country in East Asia, that would be fine too. I'm easy. But all I know is that I can honestly say that I am as happy as a clam that you are joining me again. By the way, I have you ever wondered what that meant, happy as a clam? I looked it up. There's a site called phrases.org UK. And it, and it says that the phrase as happy as a clam exists because... Open clams give the appearance of smiling, but it doesn't stop there. It says it's also more than likely to come from the fuller version of the phrase. It usually isn't just as happy as a clam. The full version of the phrase, which we don't hear very much, is as happy as a clam at high water. Well, why would a clam be happier at that time? High tide is actually when clams are free from the attention of predators. It's like their safest time, which I quote, and I wish I would have come up with this. I didn't. I'm going to quote it word from word from the article. Surely, this is the happiest of times in the bivalve mollusk world, end quote. We can relate to these little guys, though, right? Isn't it true that we're happier, too, when we're not being messed with? So we get why they'd be happy at that time, right? In fact, that's what we're going to talk about today. How much happier we are when people are what they appear to be, when people are honest, when people are, are not misleading, and especially when they're not lying to us. Why do human beings not tell the truth? Well, there are many reasons for this, and we're going to explore a number of them together this time around. So let's get going. Psychology Today had an article entitled, Six Reasons People Lie When They Don't Need To. What we're going to do is we're going to use this information. We're going to see if we can get to the bottom of this. The first point is this. Sometimes people lie because the lie does matter to them. The number one reason people lie when it's just not important is because they do think that it matters. They think that it is important. While everyone around them thinks that it's just an inconsequential thing, the liar believes that it's critically important, so they stick to their story. An example of this in pop culture might be the 1953 classic Roman Holiday starring Audrey Hepburn and Gregory Peck. Here's another reason. For some, telling the truth feels like giving up control. You're showing your hand. See, often people tell lies because they're trying to control a situation 
and exert influence toward getting the decisions or reactions that they want. And you know what happens? The truth is a big inconvenience because it may not conform to their narrative. So what do they do? They lie. The third one, a big one. Oftentimes, sincere people simply don't want to disappoint us. It may not feel like it to us, but people who tell lie after lie are often worried about losing the respect of those around them. They want us to like them. They want us to value them and be impressed by them. And they're worried that if we find out the truth, that it might lead us to reject them or shame them. Another thing is that lies have the tendency to snowball. If someone, especially a chronic liar, admits to any single lie, they may feel like they're admitting to owning the title liar. Then you'll have to reason that I can't, I can't trust them at all. I have reason to distrust them all the time. We see that in pop culture as well. In fact, that one is all over the 1954 film Sabrina, starring yet again, ironically, Audrey Hepburn. Now, a fifth reason is that it may just simply not be a lie to them. You see, when we're under pressure, our thinking about a big picture can be challenged. Our memory of things is actually totally unreliable sometimes. In fact, multiple studies demonstrate that our memories are influenced by all kinds of things, that they change over time, and that they're essentially reconstructed each time we think about them. That's kind of scary. But often, repetitive liars feel so much pressure in the moment that their memory simply becomes unreliable. When they say something, it's often because they genuine, genuinely believe at that moment in time that that is the truth. Another one, big reason, it's their truth. Sometimes people desperately want something to be true and they stand by it. They may want their lie to be true so badly that their desire and needs again overwhelm their instinct to tell the truth. I find personally that a lot of times people lie out of fear. Often it's a defense mechanism. Uh, now, lying has levels, almost like murder has levels. You know, there's unintentional manslaughter, which is different than premeditated third-degree murder. Lying is kind of similar. Uh, lying can be both a knee-jerk reaction to something, and it can also be pathological. But when it comes to, for example, uh, unintentional manslaughter versus third-degree murder, however you slice it, someone still is dead. And lying also affects people, even if it wasn't premeditated to different levels. Uh, some have the thought that lying really isn't lying if you're doing it not to hurt someone. But let's peel back the layers on that. What usually happens when eventually and inevitably the person finds out that you lied to them. They still wind up hurt, sometimes even more so because of the fact that you did lie to them. So let me ask you this. Are there reliable tells when people are lying? That's hard to say. The answer is maybe. Uh, according to the BBC, a study was done at the University of Wolverhampton that identified a series of conversational principles 
that often resulted in lies. In other words, if you want to see for yourself if someone might be lying to you, try these suggestions. There's a few of them. Here's the first one. Use open questions. What does that mean? Well, when you use these open questions, it forces the liar to expand on their tail until they become entrapped in their own web of deceit. They have to continue that lie and build it and build it and build it. And sometimes they, they step on, on their own foot. Another thing is employ the element of surprise. Investigators, for example, should try to increase the liar's cognitive load, such as by asking them un, unanticipated questions that might be slightly confusing or ask them to report an event backwards in time. Techniques that make it harder for them to maintain the facade of a lie or something that didn't actually happen. What about this? Watch for small, verifiable details. If someone says, for example, that they're at a university, ask them to tell you how they got there. If they drove there, what roads did they take? If they took public transportation there, how did they do it? Another one, if you do find a contradiction, it says, don't give yourself away right away. It's better to allow a liar's confidence to build because when they do, they're going to rattle off more falsehoods rather than correcting them. You're going to learn all about them because of this. And then finally, it says to observe changes in confidence. Watch carefully to see how a potential liar's style changes when they're challenged. A liar may show their hand if they feel like they're losing control. The piece closes by stating that there's no foolproof form of lie detection, but using just a little tact, intelligence, and persuasion, you can hope that eventually the truth will come out. The bottom line, though, is that trust should never be taken for granted. It's precious. It's a thing that whether stated or non-stated, when it exists, it's indescribable. It is also really easy to take trust for granted. Why? Because we get comfortable when we relax. Think about that. When we can trust, a mountain's worth of pressure is off our back in our daily life with another person. But remove that trust, sometimes with just one lie, and now we become defensive. We watch our back. We become dolphins. This is what I mean by that. Dolphins, besides being one of my favorite creatures on the planet, do something that we might symbolically do too. These cool, amazing aquatic guys do something called unihemispheric slow wave sleeping, which means that they sleep with one eye open as part of their brain shuts down and this closes the opposite eye. So like if the left eye is closed, then the right half of the brain is asleep. Now for a dolphin, this is incredible and wonderful. They can get some rest because they were made that way. But as humans, we weren't. So if we as people live our lives figuratively sleeping with one eye open, always having to watch our back because we can't trust because of lies, we can't truly rest. How many times, for example, have we either been hurt or hurt somebody else 
not just by an action, but by lying about that action. Often the part that involves the lying stings more than the action itself. Let's take a simple example, not even one that's that important. Well, let's say you get invited somewhere and you really don't want to go. So you then tell the one that invited you, I, you know, I'd go, but I'm sick. Later, another person that same night invites you out, and that sounds really appealing, so you go. Murphy's Law. The first person sees you. Have you ever been on either end of this situation? What's always the first thought? Why did you say you were sick? How could you lie to me? Whereas if when originally asked, you just said, hey, I don't know what I'm doing tonight. I might do that. I might do something else. It may not thrill the first person that gave you the invitation, but you're not betraying them. It's honest. You didn't lie. To close, some feel that the truth hurts. And you know what, guys? Sometimes it does. But the truth inadvertently also heals. Getting an operation to fix something that's wrong, you're going to be sore afterwards. But if it's done right, eventually you get better. Same thing here. Initially, the truth may sting as you have to face things that you don't want to or that you're not prepared to entirely. But that will go away to some degree, and the result is always worth the initial discomfort. Striving to be honest is really a thing that's admirable because this is such an often shady world, and being honest really makes you stand out. You're a better person. Think of it this way. When you strive to be honest and think big picture, not just what's right in front of you right now, you can actually control many of the consequences in your life. They're up to you. And it's always better to honestly do something right than to purposefully do something wrong and then have to ask for forgiveness later. We have once again arrived at the time on Refresher when we present to you a Spotify playlist to add a little flavor to our theme. We have for you this time around a Refresher podcast dash You Lie Like a Rug playlist. You can find it really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher podcast dash You Lie Like a Rug. This is a fun one because... Um, I actually got to meet and interview a lot of these people. So let's go for it. The first one here is by The Platters. The Platters, their song, The Great Pretender. Wasn't, wasn't music from that decade just so sophisticated and elegant? I love The Platters. One of The Platters songs was actually my wife and I, we chose it for our wedding song. And, and, I want you to do something. Please, please, please remember the name Tony Williams. Tony Williams was the lead singer of the Platters from 1953 to 1960. And I'm not kidding. He is top five for my list of the best singers of all time in any genre. And most people don't know his name, but you do. You do now. So hats off to you, Mr. Williams. You were and still are an incredible singer. Number two, Suspicious Minds. But wait, there's a catch. 
This is the version by the Fine Young Cannibals. They do it real justice. I love their version. It doesn't replace the Elvis version, but it's it's right up there. Song number three, Jive Talking by the Bee Gees. Song number four is Lies by the Thompson Twins. I was able to interview and meet the lead singer and principal songwriter Tom Bailey years ago. This man was so humble, almost to the point of not giving himself any credit. I was kind of taken aback. I mean, this guy wrote some of the most unique and beautiful pop songs of the 1980s. I mean, Hold Me Now, Lay Your Hands on Me, You Take Me Up, Are You Kidding? How perfect are those songs? I hope that I just kind of caught him at a bad time and he realizes the strength of his work. Our next one, Fake Plastic Trees by Radiohead. Song number six is Fool's Gold by the Stone Roses from their first album. Song number seven is She Wanna Love You by the Bright Light Social Hour. Song number eight is Liar Liar, a little bit of garage music from the Castaways. Song number nine is Level by the Raconteurs. And song number 10 is the beautiful song by Prince called I Love You, But I Don't Trust You Anymore. And yes, on my show notes, I actually typed the word E-Y-E for the I and the letter U for the word U like he did. What a gem, gem this song is. Again, you can find this playlist really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast. You lie like a rug. Thanks so much, everyone. We really, really appreciate your support of this podcast. If you think others might like our program, please pass it along. Think about people that might benefit from something refreshing and maybe some comfort. A lot of you, I found, listen to this in the car, which I think is very cool. In addition to all the places that we mentioned on the last two episodes in the different countries, Uh, We also now in the U.S. have listeners in Oklahoma. We welcome you. And this just in, London, England as well. Welcome to Refresher. We're so happy to have you. Also, if you would like to help keep this podcast stay up and running, if you would like, you can make a small monthly contribution. Just see the Support This Podcast link uh, under the episode description, and it'll give you the options of contributing either 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month or $9.99 a month. If you are so inclined, that would be great. But whether you do or whether you don't, you don't have to worry about it. We're just happy to have you around. You enjoy the program whenever you want. Another podcast of note is the Managing Expectations podcast featuring Jeff and Brian. Uh, Check it out on Spotify. I love their choices of topics and the depths that they bring them to. Uh, Really, really cool pop culture uh, podcast. Again, they are the Managing Expectations podcast. Also, there is the 7208 podcast on Spotify as well, where my son Harrison and I tackle pop culture multi-generationally. I was born in 1972. He was born in 2008. Hence, we are the 7208 podcast on Spotify. Lost my place there. 
on that show, let's just face it, Harrison is the Batman, and I am like the bat can of shark repellent. As always, the music that begins and ends this podcast is by the band Dive. The song is called A Day Late, and it was written by Mr. John Villafuerte. Until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher. Hey, I wanted to tell you, next week we're going to talk about depression. But we're going to take the high road. It's not going to be a sad show. It's going to be great. So come back. Refresher, the pop culture therapy podcast. Everyone, please take care. Do yourself a favor. And remember, there's a big difference between worry and concern. We'll see you next time.